Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch. Means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. 615-737-1045. And we got some things to get to tonight. Of course, Monday Night Titans began on Monday. I'm so blessed, first of all, to be asked to sit in that chair. Blessed to be with someone that I have so much respect for in Jim Wyatt, somebody I'm getting to know and having a lot of respect for as well in Mark Mariani. Uh, it's just, you know, it's a dream come true to sit around and talk about the league for a living, to talk about the NFL for a living. It's going to be an absolute blast. And Martins is a, is a great host. We hope to see some of you guys out there on fourth uh, at some point during the season as well. We'll be doing that every Monday as part of the big six, which I guess you can say is some, some, some sort of expansion. Um, I'm also the editor-in-chief of the Big Six blog, which is at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. And usually, I don't come on here and talk about things that I've done or projects that I've done. But this one, to me, is a little bit different because I believe that the story, not my part of it, but the story itself isn't just worth your time. The people that it's about deserve your eyeballs they deserve to have this story told because of how unprecedented it was and because of how historic it was and it turns out that by far this became the longest and most in-depth writing project of my entire career like nothing even close to this and there was an element of it in my own brain which was this needs to be done relatively quickly but it's still got to be done well. But it, the faster it gets done, while it's still fresh in everyone's mind, the better. So what it was, if you missed me mention it on uh, 3HL about 10, 15 minutes ago, or if you don't follow me at Zone, I talked to all seven members of the current Titans radio team. These are fantastic people that I am better off just having in my life in some capacity. I talked to every one of them uh, and long form, not just asked them two questions. And what ended up coming from this was an oral history. I don't know if you ever read any of the Jim Miller books. He did the ESPN. Those guys have all the fun. He did live from New York, which I highly recommend, by the way, which is an oral history of Saturday Night Live. Uh, there have been oral histories that get done in The Hollywood Reporter and things like this. Certainly nothing I've ever attempted before, but I, I kind of know 
the general structure of it, at least to some extent. But Titans Radio was on the air on Sunday for Titans Dolphins. And if you listen to 104.5 The Zone instead of the awful television broadcast, you listen to one of the most professional, consistent eight hours plus or however long it was broadcasts imaginable on this medium. And you did not listen to a group that tossed it to a studio or tossed it to the national syndicated programming or opened up phone lines or, or anything like that. Any of the tricks that you usually would expect from this, even world-class outfits that do this for a living would toss during a two-hour rain delay. There were two two-hour rain delays, lightning delays, weather delays at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday in the opener between the Titans and Dolphins. And Titans Radio didn't cut away from it once. And because that game became the longest game in NFL history since the merger in 1970 at seven hours and eight minutes, that made that the longest NFL broadcast in history as well. And for them not to break from it is so compelling because no one else did that. Even Miami's radio crew broke away. Everybody broke away except for Titans Radio. And so Mike Keith, Phil Noel, Brad Willis, Rhett Bryan, Jonathan Hutton, and Amy Wells, and of course, Mike Keith and Dave McGinnis in the booth themselves. I wanted to talk to them. And the fun part about this was how reticent they were to do it just because they didn't see it as the accomplishment that I did. They didn't see it as the accomplishment that all these people started saying to them on social media or colleagues in the industry started showering on them because this is what's expected and they believe this is their job. So what you get at 1045thezone.com slash big6blog, and I've tweeted out the article directly as well, is 21,000 words. Very few of them mine, straight from them, oral history style, the lead up to the broadcast, everything that went into the broadcast before it began, what happens when the delays happen, all of the complications that none of you have any clue they had to deal with while they were down there. And I say that because I didn't know about 95% of this stuff before I sat down and talked to them. They were also gracious with their time, but it takes time to transcribe and it takes time to write these things out and again, this was not something that was going to be half-assed. It was going to be really good, at least in my own mind, or I wasn't going to put it out there. And I'm not saying that I did anything special here, but I'm saying they did. And I'm saying that I hope that I did them justice. I hope that I did this story justice. And so even though I usually don't say go to 1045thezone.com slash big6blog and you're going to be better off for reading this. I'm not saying you're going to be better off for reading it. I'm saying I hope that you do read it, and I hope that it is worth your time. It is an amazing achievement in my mind that they pulled it off, and I think it speaks to their character and humility that they didn't believe it to be so. And so I appreciate you letting me kind of say that off the top. Now, while virtually no one among the general public thought of Nike negatively in a Harris poll taken in December 2017. This is from ESPN.com. 
17% of respondents in a poll taken last week by the organization said they saw Nike in a negative light. The percentage of people who then said they couldn't imagine living without Nike dropped 9% from 33 to 24%. The poll revealed that while 21% of the general public said they would stop buying Nike as a brand, 19% said they would buy even more Nike products. And of the young males in their target market, 29% said they would purchase more products. And that's all I got to say about that. So let's talk about Marcus Mariota. You know, basically, if you've listened to this program over the last two months, where I am on Marcus. Great kid, easy to root for, has a lot of skill, but an average quarterback. And perhaps he's going to prove me wrong. He now has yet another new coordinator, another new scheme, but I've got him in the 17 to 20 range of NFL quarterbacks. That's just an opinion based on what I've seen from him so far. I believe it's where he'll be throughout his career, but again, I hope to be wrong. But there are some things to take into consideration on both sides when it comes to number eight in the two-tone blue. And the question that I want to ask, as I have the phone lines opened up at 615-737-1045, is where are you on Marcus Mariota today? I want you to sound off on Marcus however you'd like. Sunday, he was not accurate. He underthrew Luke Stocker. That's a touchdown if he leads him properly. He's late to Delaney Walker in the left front corner of the end zone. That might as well have been a touchdown also. He and Corey Davis had a bad miscommunication. There were some other spots where he was finding the wrong shoulder or he was missing the throwing windows. But also, in the first few drives, he led his team down the field. He unfortunately only ends up with a field goal and a failed fourth down attempt, but he was running the offense pretty well early in the game. Now, he throws two bad interceptions. The first floats over Tajay Sharp. That was a hideous throw, but it came immediately after he returned to the game following that unnecessary hit on the RPO that harmed his throwing elbow. Regardless of how the rest of the team plays, though, if Marcus isn't right, the Titans don't have a chance at relevance in a division where you believe in exactly one of the eight main units. Let me explain. You know right now, basically, the Jacksonville's defense is going to be good again. Outside of that, there are injury concerns. There are past histories. There are question marks for every other unit. The division is so up for grabs in many ways. And Marcus won a playoff game last year, largely due to his effort and some ineptitude on the other side. But what I saw Sunday before the injury is what I've always seen. This is a guy that stops short of better than decent to pretty good at times. There's just not enough consistency, and you worry about his fragility with each time he gets dinged up. But I'm not here today behind this microphone on the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone to bury Marcus Mariota or bury his career. Coming out of that game on Sunday where so little can be learned due to just all the circumstances that surrounded that debacle, I felt even more than ever that I was right, but then I learned something new. And that's a good lesson for us all to learn in our lives is always listen to other people. Don't assume that you know everything because generally you don't. As smart as you are, there's always somebody smarter. As good looking as you are, there's somebody more good looking. Whatever it is, as much money as you have, generally speaking, there's somebody out there with more. I don't know everything about football. And Dave McGinnis, who, if he doesn't know everything, he knows close to everything. 
had said something before the season in this very building that I heard myself for the first time on Monday afternoon, which was that he watched the L.A. Rams very closely last season. And it took Jared Goff in particular six weeks or a little bit more to really get acclimated to that offense. The Rams were not right at all until that point. So Matt LaFleur's concepts and Mariota's execution were not just going to pop into joint overnight. This was not an immediate blossom. It was going to take some time. So that's one thing to keep in mind. I see our phone, phone lines are beginning to light up to talk about Marcus. 615-737-1045. Hang with me, Joe, Kevin, Rick, Scott. I've got to take a break. I'll come back and I'll take all your phone calls. I'm going to tell you that what McGinnis said is right, but there's a big problem if that's true. And that's where we'll head next. And we'll take your phone calls. Stick with us. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Maybe the best thing about Atomic Blonde was the soundtrack. The film kind of sucked, honestly. But this is on that soundtrack. Dirk Commissar. After the Fire. Name of the band. 615-737-1045. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Talked about Marcus Mariota there in the first segment and what I said right before the break, and then we will take your phone calls, and they're still rolling in. 615-737-1045 if you want to join the conga line here. You know, I've said for a while on this show and others that, to me, Marcus Mariota is an average quarterback. He's somewhere in like the 17 to 20 range of NFL quarterbacks at this stage. Maybe that could change, but I haven't seen enough. I have not seen the consistency that would tell me so. And this is who I believe he's probably going to be for his career. But there are some things that are playing against him right now. And there are some things that are going to take, going to take time. One of them being a new scheme and a new offense. And when you look at that, you can maybe give him a pass to some extent on some of the things that have happened. I'm not here to bury Marcus Mariota, as I said. But Dave McGinnis, who you all know very well, of Titans Radio, who's been in the NFL for 33 years said after watching the Rams very closely last year, it took about six weeks to get right for that offense. It took Jared Goff about six weeks before he really started to blossom. And so he expected it was going to take time as a result for Mariota with Matt LaFleur, with all of the new concepts and what they're trying to do for it to really click into gear properly. Here's the problem with that. And then I'll take your phone calls. The problem with, McGinnis's argument isn't in the argument. It's what it means. Because let me submit to you that if you don't win on Sunday in the home opener against the 0-1 Houston Texans, you then go to Jacksonville, and then you come home to play the defending Super Bowl champions. Those two defenses are legit. You could easily be 0-4 by the time you travel to Buffalo on October the 7th. Then, let's say you win that game. You come home to play the Ravens, who just absolutely annihilated this Bills team in the opener and might be pretty good and have a good defense, if nothing else, and a decent running game. And then you go to the Los Angeles Chargers, a trendy pick to reach the Super Bowl out of the AFC. How many of those are you willing to pencil in for wins especially if you consider it might take six to seven weeks to get comfortable in this offense for your quarterback. The only one before the bye 
I would feel good about in that circumstance is the Bills game. That means one and six, folks. After the bye, you go to Dallas for a night game and then into Nashville, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. That does not look good. That looks tough. And the point that I'm really trying to make here is this game on Sunday against the Houston Texans is as important a week two football game as I've seen in a long time. And I'll explain that to you here in a little bit more detail. But let's take a couple of these phone calls. If you want to join us, 615-737-1045. I'm asking for your thoughts on Marcus Mariota today. Let's go to Rick in Hendersonville. He's up first. Rick, what's up? Hey, I totally enjoy the show. It is so refreshing to hear somebody speak the truth. Uh, around the uh, cooler, so to speak, everybody has concerns about Marcus Mariota being the franchise quarterback. Um, I was listening to the after show the other night with uh, Mark Howard and Blaine Bishop. Mm -hmm. Blaine Bishop said, this is a business. It is a business. For the past three years, Marcus has showed us that we would all love him to be the franchise quarterback. You know, the person that comes out front, talks to the kids, talks to the fans, and that. But what he has shown us on the field is not that case. And, it, it again, it is refreshing to hear people actually come out and say, and eh, there could be a problem, and we'll give him time, but he's been here, and the time is up. This is the year. Yeah, well, Thank I, you uh, for letting me yeah, sure. in. Yeah, appreciate it, Rick. Interestingly enough, Titans talk back the show that he's referring to with Mickey Ryan, Mark Howard, Blaine Bishop, Kevin Dyson, a great show. I love that group. Tomorrow, I'm going to be working with two of them. Kevin Ingram's going to be out on the wake-up zone. I'll be in uh, his chair. Be blessed to have that opportunity. And I've worked with everybody at this station on air except for Mark Howard. So I'm really excited to be here for that. But I guess I'm on Blaine's side of this. So tomorrow's going to be two against one if we start talking about Marcus because Blaine and I are going to be one side and Mark's going to be sitting here in the, in the chair next to me in his usual seat. And that could get contentious. So that could be some good radio tomorrow on the Wake Up Zone. So I look forward to uh, to saying that. Like I said, one in six, if you just look at it from a stat perspective or look at it from a record perspective and who's coming to town, if it takes six weeks for Mariota to quote-unquote get there with this offense this season, you can basically write it off right now. You can write it off today. Now that sounds really pessimistic, and I don't really want to do that here. But I will tell you this. The Tennessee Titans had better get this W on Sunday against Houston. Now, you lose Delaney, which hurts so badly. And you have a few other question marks on that offense with Lawan and Mariota. And you have a lack of a pass rush against Miami. You have an inability to stop the run. That is all stuff that's got to be cleaned up really quick. Well, there's just not going to be a chance for this football team to matter in 2018. And look, it's a new coach. 
and it's a new scheme, and maybe this is kind of a rebuild to some extent. It's not really a rebuild because you have a lot of the same people in place, but it's a lot of learning on the job, and it's a lot of things that are fluid that are changing. Robert Mays, who I love, uh, who writes over at The Ringer, picked the Titans to win the division before the season. I went with Houston, and I'm going to stick with that because I believe in Deshaun Watson even after the uh, rust we saw in Foxborough. But if you beat the Texans on Sunday, if Mariota plays and he feels good and he has a good day, that sets you up to play Jacksonville tough because the Titans always play Jacksonville tough and usually get the better of them. It's going to be on the road, but let's say that you get the momentum and you play well against Houston. And then you go down to Jacksonville and you play them tough and you get that win. That's 2-1 and one with Philly coming to town. It's likely when Philly comes to town, it's still going to be Nick Foles playing and not Carson Wentz. Momentum cannot be understated in sports. In a season or a game, it doesn't matter. Had that second delay not happened immediately after that Butler interception, I think it's arguable, maybe even likely, the Titans win that game. If you're 2-1 and one and the Eagles come here, the city is paying close attention, and there's a fervor. If you're 0-3 and the Eagles come here, you're in danger of losing the lay fan. So that's why I'm telling you, Sunday's game, even though it's week two, and there's a lot of football left to be played, is unbelievably important to the future of this season because it's going to leave one of two tastes in the mouth of the team, and in the mouth of Nashville as a whole if they're able to win it. Now, on Friday's show here on the Big Six, we'll break that game down for you in detail. But I'm going to go back to the initial point again. The phone line's wide open. We've got a few that we'll take here before we go to break, and we've got a few that are coming in right now at 615-737-1045. Where are you today on Marcus Mariota? How much did Sunday concern you? How much of it do you give him a pass for? Is he still the guy in your opinion? Or was he ever the guy, in your opinion? You heard my thoughts. It's fluid as we continue to watch him grow. There are factors that are absolutely playing against him right now. No doubt about it. Losing Delaney makes it much more difficult. But you and I have not had a chance to talk to each other about it since Sunday's game. This is your chance to get that take out there that's been burning a hole in your opinion wallet. So let's take Kevin in the borough next. Kevin, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Doing good, man. I think, well, I'm a huge Titans fan. I'm a huge Mariota fan. I think he was a very talented quarterback in college. But I don't think he has the durability to be a full-time starter in the NFL. I, I'm not impressed by his production as, as of this time. I think it's probably time for the Titans to start looking at possibly drafting a quarterback, if not this year, then next year. Okay, and that's fair, Kevin, and it's going to be next year. He's got two years. He has a couple of things that are playing in his favor right now. One, just dealing about his contract and when you actually have to pay him. But the second thing and the more important thing is this is a very uninteresting, kind of untalented quarterback class coming out in this next draft. This is not where you're likely to find your franchise quarterback. Watch me eat my words, and it ends up with like three Hall of Famers coming out of this. But right now, you don't look on paper and see a bunch of studs that are, be, that are going to be coming out in this draft. Now, two years from now, it's the exact opposite. That's why I say Marcus Mariota has two years because there will be people to draft for the Tennessee Titans in two years if Marcus hasn't proven by that point that he's the guy. 
Taylor, Jason, Scott. I see a few more bouncing. Got to take our second break. We will be back. We will take your phone calls in a line as soon as we come back. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. It's the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045 if you want to join the program. Talking about Marcus Mariota, I am going to annihilate John Gruden before the end of this show again because it is the pastime of the Big Six for me to continue to explain to you why I consider him the most overrated person in all sports. And Monday was yet another example of that. But let's continue down the Marcus Mariota phone train now. Taylor in Pleasant View, what is up? Hey, hey, guys. Um, hey, let me start out by saying I love Marcus Mariota. Um, I think he's a great kid, great example for face of a franchise. But like Blaine Bishop said, the NFL is a business. It's about what have you done for me lately. And with Marcus, I'm not seeing franchise-type quarterbacking uh, over the last couple of years, particularly last year and this year getting started. Uh, one of the problems I have with Marcus is that I have not seen him get better with his uh, mechanics and techniques in the pocket. Uh, Marcus has a tendency to uh, come off his receivers too quickly or either lock on and his footwork gets goofed up and messed up. And a lot of times he makes poor reads because of that. And then he goes between this thing about whether I should run or whether I should pass. Um, I'd like to see him be more definitive and work better on his mechanics and techniques. And then another thing that also bothers me with Marcus, and I mean, it's just a fact, he gets hurt too much. He's, he's injury prone. Uh, you can't play from the bench. I love the guy. I hope he gets better. It's only one game. I mean, I'm not panicking, but uh, we've got to see improvement, and he don't have six weeks. Thanks, guys. All right, Taylor. Appreciate it. So basically, according to Taylor, he needs more technique. He needs more mechanics. He needs to be more durable. That's a that's a long grocery list. Jason in Nashville up next here on the Big Six. Jason, what say you? Uh, I I just don't see him. I, I, I'm I'm like the previous caller. I like him as a guy, but but we need a quarterback. And I call me old fashioned. I've been watching football since '70, but I need a quarterback to be accurate. I need a quarterback to be able to spin the ball and be able to throw with some velocity when needed and touch when needed. And I've been watching him over the past few years, and I have not seen him improve in his ability to spin the ball. He just looks like he's throwing ducks through the air. And when the ball's wobbling like that, he's never going to get the distance and the velocity that he needs. Secondly, they're running these RPOs. they got this new tech, this new system yep. in. And I was screaming all along when they were talking about running Marcus Moore. I was calling into you guys saying, no, he's too fragile. You got to protect him. He should only run when he has to run to save himself. I was like, you can't be throwing him out there on the wings and, and opening him up to linebackers just taking off and not trying to knock his head off. He's not going to. He's not going to endure. So it's those reasons that's going to be the um, uh, Marcus failing as a quarterback here. The, the system's going to kill him, and or the inaccuracy and his inability to throw the ball consistently with a good spin, velocity, and accuracy. And we just need a quarterback. That's it. All right. Every team does. No question about that. Travis on a cell phone is up next. Travis, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. What do you got for me? Uh, just a little bit on Marcus. Okay. Uh, it, it feels like our fan base, totally get it to start with, but it feels like our fan base doesn't 
want to give Marcus a fair chance. And what I mean by that is he's had – this is his third coordinator in three years, right? Uh, right. Okay. So he's not been given a chance to, 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 to run a system, to run an offense that he can get comfortable with, that he can perfect, and that he can do his thing in. I understand that he's got deficiencies. He's, he's inaccurate. He's all these things that, that we see. But he's also not really been given a chance to do what he does best. Okay. All right, Travis, we've got a bunch of calls, so I'll let you go there. You're not making a wrong point there. That's why I said the whole idea that it might take him six weeks just based on what we saw from Jared Goff last year meant the same thing. But I will tell you this. It doesn't matter who your coordinator is or the scheme is in terms of your accuracy. That's not something that's going to change because of who's on the sideline. That's what you got or what you don't have. Kevin and Madison next. Kevin? Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I yes, want to talk a little bit about Marcus, but really just about our whole situation as a whole. Uh, you, you, you look at our head coach. Uh, I, I don't, I have no doubts that he's going to be a decent coach down the road, but let's be honest. That team looked very unprepared. It looked a lot like when Munchak went out. It looked like a, a rookie head coach. That's not an insult. Everybody wants everything to happen immediately, but I mean, let's look at Belichick's first stop. I mean, these guys have got to mature. So, you know, I'm hoping maybe everybody might quit thinking John Robinson can walk them to Cumberland uh, after we realize what we did. Second, you look at our offense and our scheme. We, we, we've got Corey Davis, who we apparently drafted instead of to take the top off the defense. We Every target he had was under 15 yards. We took a speed burner and we wanted to make him a possession receiver. You've got a quarterback with velocity and accuracy issues. And I like yourself because it's like nobody wants to say what it is. It's a bad football team with a lot of deficiencies. And the best thing, here's a fun fact. You know, we have 30, we have plays over 35 yards in the last three seasons. This team only has nine. Yeah, that's and not good. Of those, Travis Henry has accounted for five. Of, I'm not Derrick Henry has accounted for five of them, but yet we don't keep him on the field. He ran, he busted a 62 yard touchdown run, and he did not see the field the rest of the game. Um, that's true. That, that that's definitely true. I would not call that a fun fact, at least not for for Titans fans out there. The brightest spot on Sunday was Deion Lewis. That's nothing against Derrick Henry. Those are two very different backs. The two. Two very different things, and depending on the matchup, one's probably going to be better than the other. Deion Lewis gives you, I think, another dimension, and it was very impressive watching him bounce off of as many tacklers. What you said about Mike Vrabel in that phone call, and just about, look, he's a rookie head coach, and you know it's going to take time and all this. Well, the rookie head coaches during week one, of the seven head coaches making debuts with new teams, not one of them won. Pat Shermer's Giants lost to the Jags. The Colts, that's Frank Reich, lost to Cincinnati. Mike Vrabel, we talked about, lost to the Dolphins. Steve Wilkes' Cardinals looked inept against Washington, 24-6. Matt Nagy's Bears, we saw what Aaron Rodgers was able to do there. Matt Patricia's Lions, John Gruden's Raiders. Every single one of them had one thing in common, and that one thing was that not one of them won a football game. Scott in Lebanon, we'll get you in before the break. Scott, what's up? Hey, yeah, so uh, touching on what the last guy said, I think Marcus would draw a lot more heat if he wasn't such a nice guy. 
That said, I think uh, the fans have given him a good amount of time to try to prove himself. I don't think he's holding his team back. I think if you look at all the teams that made the Super Bowl, it's defense that wins championships. Our defense is not championship caliber at all. And regardless who's going to be the quarterback, I think that should be the team's number one focus. I don't think it always has been. But that said, Marcus is not the kind of guy that can carry a team with an okay defense. He's just not. He never will be, but he's not. He's never been built that way. So that kind of sums up my, my thoughts. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Thanks, Scott. When we went through that list of tiers in Mike Sando's reporting for ESPN where he talks to 50 people inside the league, Marcus Mariota was deemed a tier three quarterback, meaning somebody that can win you a game, but you don't really want to put it in his hands. It's got to be a strong running game or a strong defense that actually gets him over the hump. And one GM was quoted as saying, Marcus Mariota does not scare you. He does not scare a defense. They're worried about somebody else on the field. They're not worried about the quarterback when they're playing against Marcus Mariota. Just a little bit of food for thought. we got one more segment to go. If you're on the uh, line, you can stay there. If I don't get to the Gruden take today, I, I can still bury him on Friday. It's, it's okay. i got time. It's a big six, 104.5 The Zone. segment of the program big six one oh four five design i'm jason martin on twitter at jmartzone six one five seven three seven one oh four five got some calls to get through here in just a moment as we pretty much just talk marcus this hour but we do have some news a lot of good stuff coming up following me here tonight vol calls and then global golf radio which i absolutely love i really want to hear what they have to say about jordan spieth tonight and just I actually considered talking about that on this show. I don't think I would have gotten to it with as much interest as you guys have in eight tonight. But Spieth, just not a good year at all. Totally winless, potentially being fined for not playing enough tournaments. Just kind of a drop-off. He was in contention on the last day and two majors that fell off. But I bet you they'll talk about that tonight a little bit on Global Golf Radio. But then coming up after that tonight, my buddy Christopher Martell who does the Neutral Zone, which is just a tremendous show, talking hockey. He just dropped this information about Austin Watson. We've been wondering what was going to happen in the Austin Watson situation. Well, Austin Watson has been officially suspended for 27 games. He would be eligible to return to the Nashville Predators or, or whoever on Monday, December the 3rd in Nashville against the Buffalo Sabres. So 27 games, Watson will be out. And Chris will be talking about that, I'm sure, a lot tonight on the neutral zone right here on 104.5 The Zone from 9 to 10. And he'll take your phone calls as well. So if that's something you want to – I definitely you definitely want to hear what he has to say about it either way, but he'll definitely uh, listen to you and, and get your thoughts on it as well as that story is just altogether unfortunate. So we've been talking about Marcus Mariota basically the whole hour. Those of you hoping for that Gruden take, and I saw a few of you tweeting about it, Looks like that's going to be a tease that's going to have to carry on till Monday because I want to get see if we can get through these calls. Let's go to Frank in Nashville first. Frank, what's up? Hey, uh, love the show. You have converted me over from uh, my other talk radio on the drive home, so uh, thank you very much for that. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate uh, it. Hey, no problem. Uh, I'll tell you, the thing, and a few callers have touched on it. You've touched on it. But it's the spiral effect that happens when your accuracy is poor. Uh, even the other night when he was hitting the uh, receivers, he was hitting the receivers out of stride, and as a result, they're having to make adjustments to come to the ball. The result of that is, and you know this, and so does everyone else, they're not able to advance the ball properly. As a result, we find ourselves in third and long situations, or we find ourselves in 
third down situations could have converted, uh, potentially been converted. Um, and it's just a sad situation. It's the, I'll tell you exactly what I liken it to. I liken it to the wonderful kid whose dad made a great company and they put him through school. They gave him all the tools. They gave him everything he needed. And he went through school and unfortunately isn't maybe the guy to be the CEO of the company. So, and somebody alluded to it earlier, you know, all the coordinators of the world, I think it actually was you, Jim. Uh, all the coordinators in the world won't help your accuracy. Right. You know, if you can't hit that tire, you just can't hit the tire, man. No, you're right. You, you make a good point. You also just laid out the uh, first season background plot line of HBO's Succession, which I've already called the best new show of 2018 and something you should all check out if you haven't. But that's about the, the son of the CEO, maybe not being ready to be the CEO of a company. Jesse in the borough up next here on the Big Six. Jesse, thanks for waiting. What's up? Yeah, I just wanted to point out his season a couple of years ago. He had mm-hmm. 3,500 yards passing. He had 26 passing touchdowns and nine interceptions, along with two rushing touchdowns. And for me, when I watched that year, and I actually went to a few games, he was named uh, AFC Offensive Player of the Month in November that year. It's just like his mental, mentally, he was more aggressive. And the more you watch this year, it makes me think that maybe something's going on in his personal life. There's something, there's something deeper. Maybe he doesn't want to be in Nashville. He just doesn't play with the same passion, but I still feel like he's got the talent. Just they can't get it out of him for some reason. Uh, and I also agree with the caller earlier about John Robinson because I was one of the people that believed he walked on the Cumberland. Uh, and the more I see these draft picks, I mean, they're they're hurt left and right. All the early picks get hurt. He hits home runs in some of the late picks like Jayon Brown and LaShawn Sims. But at the same time, he turns around and gets, I mean, he gets a good free agent with Marco Murray and Deion Lewis. But with our high draft picks, it feels like none of them are out there and nobody's ever playing. And I went from thinking he walks on the Cumberland to then maybe we're going to have to get another general manager too that can find people to stay on the field. I mean, they could be tied together. If Vrabel doesn't work out, maybe that does end up reflecting on John Robinson. I like the job John Robinson has done overall personally. What you were saying about looking back to 2016 and how Marcus played there, and I started to immediately look up Clemson. It's always Clemson that I want to look up because when I lived in South Carolina, uh, up until Dabo actually won that national championship, and I lived there when Tommy Bowden was the coach. But if you talk to Clemson fans, they assumed they had won the national title six months beforehand. But actually, the last claim national championship for Clemson was back in 1981. But anytime you talk to them, they felt like they were preordained to win it year after year after year because we did it. We just finished winning a national championship. It's like, no, that was 1981, Holmes. Like, this is 2008. Nobody has paid attention to Clemson in over 25 years. In the NFL, two years can actually be an eternity. Last year was bad. There's just no other way to say it. The scheme wasn't good. It was antiquated. It looked like it was being played in black and white, old school film. But it was 13 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. It wasn't a good year. It wasn't. But guess what? He actually won a, he actually won a playoff game. Steven Smyrna, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Well, I just think we need to adhere to the famous words of Aaron Rodgers. R-E-L-A-X. Okay. Marcus Marcus is going to be fine. It's the first game of the season. He didn't play a whole lot in the, the preseason. You know, it is a rookie head coach's first game. The first game was a 29-hour-long game. It was crazy. I don't think we need to panic and all of a sudden decide that he's not the guy to lead our team. I guarantee you, you walk in that locker room, the guys in there believe he is the guy. And I just think that we're all, a, a number of us are overreacting 
to to some mistakes and to some errors. No, if he played great, no, I'll be the first to admit that he probably would too. But I don't think it's his personal life. I don't think it's a, anything else like that. I just think we need to let him get the game done and keep playing and see how the season goes. I guarantee you it's not going to go on that long. He's going to get it going, and the Titans are going to be fine. Okay. And you may be right. Like I said, if he takes a while to get going, then we'll see you in 2019. We'll start to pay attention to Marcus's year then because if it takes him six weeks, for example, to really start to blossom under this scheme and this team, as I look at it, just looking at the schedule itself, this game Sunday is so important. We'll talk about it more on Friday's show. But before we get out the door, let's make you smarter. Got an email from the NFL, just a press release that came to me today. This is a really interesting nugget to keep in mind this Saturday as you're watching college ball. This past weekend on NFL rosters, here are the top five schools represented by players in the league. Number one probably doesn't surprise you. Alabama had 44 players on NFL rosters. LSU had 40. Florida had 37. Miami and Ohio State both had 36. Florida State had 32. Overall, the SEC had five of the top 10. And how about this? Tennessee had 27. They were in 12th. Three of those, by the way. You could guess if you thought about it. Punters. Told you I'd make it smarter. Ball calls up next. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. God bless. Saying goodnight.